Hello, everybody, and welcome to a mid-season review of the Winging It Formula One podcast. Not a mid-season review of the podcast, a mid-season review from us of Formula One, which is on the podcast. Um, the mid-season review of this podcast would be very interesting. And to our knowledge, we don't have any fan podcasts about us. But I mean, please let us know if you've started a podcast about the Winging It F1 podcast. Um, I'm Freddie Coates. I'm going off on one, clearly. Um, it's hot here, so I have clearly developed heat stroke um i'm joined by adam dickinson and nigel chu who are going to help me rate all of the races from the 2022 formula one season so far we've had 13 there's nine left and we're just going to rate 13 of them because nine haven't happened um we've what we've done is um collate an average score for all the races based on how we've rated them out of 10 it's taken time to do because we're all words people, not numbers people, but we're 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 gonna we've done it. We think um, there was a moment where I did work out the score out of ten for Canada to be twenty five. That was me making <laughs> a mistake. But anyway, um, let's say hello to Adam and Nigel. Adam, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I didn't know when I was coming in on that, so you've got me slightly in the words. But yeah, um, yeah, if people do want to review the podcast, then feel free and let us know what you do. I mean, we started our podcast around this time a bit earlier but around this time um two years ago so maybe it's the time for you to do it but uh yeah thank you to everyone who has been listening so far and hopefully you enjoyed this one as much as you enjoyed the other ones or more if you hated them yes we um we're very happy with the support we've had recently and of course um because we're a podcast we have to say um something along the lines of why not give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice because it really helps us out it probably does, but we're so small that it doesn't really matter so much because we're not being ranked against like um, NBA podcasts and stuff like that that are huge. But anyway, um, now it's time to be introduced to Nigel today. Hello, Nigel. Hi, Freddie. Uh, for anyone watching on YouTube, my video isn't on because my internet is getting worse. Now his sound's gone. That's just amazing. Um, that is, yeah, it's timely. It is timely. Um, it's going to be great when Nigel goes off on one uh, later down in the podcast because he did make a point about having to disagree with us on certain things. Yes. So this means that Adam and I kind of have a bit more power, a bit more kind of fake news media to silence him. So, oh, he's back. He's back. We can, we can turn good. his internet off if we want. Yeah, Bang. we can just kick him out of the podcast. To be honest. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, rather than doing that, We'll, we'll just have the jeopardy of not knowing if Nigel is there or not, just because he doesn't have a face on our Zoom call. Just a big name, um, just a banner with his name. But we're going to go straight to our ranked races. And our first race is going to be our lowest race. We're going to go lowest to best. We're going to go best to last, um, best to last, whatever. And our worst ranked race was Australia, which collated an average score of 4.5 out of 10. Ooh. low it's still passed if it was a university project but <laughs> just only just um nigel while i know you have internet give us a line on australia and why it is the worst ranked race of the year i've not woken up for the australian grand prix for about well nigel's just forfeited his right <laughs> to speak by it... saying he didn't wake up for it so adam <laughs> oh, but... why don't you say something <laughs> I mean, you said give give us a word, and he used his word on Ive, so it's not very good use from Nigel. Yeah, but um, the, I, I rated it highly simply because I enjoyed it. Was I watched it at midnight on Saturday night in a bar in Oklahoma, so I enjoyed that 
more than the race itself. The race itself, I don't really remember much of whether it's the circumstances or the race. I'll let you decide. But yeah, it was immemorable other than where I was watching it. Yeah, I remember the race being relatively disappointing because it seemed to promise an interesting fight between Rebel and Ferrari. Rebel couldn't stick with Ferrari. Leclerc drove lights to flag and um, Verstappen broke down and it just got a bit huh, as a race to me. Um, but I liked the, the new track. I liked that and I think that could bode well for the future. I think it could hold a good race. I just think it just didn't at this time. Yeah, that, that's part of it is it was the first Australian Grand Prix in a few years and there was a new track and there was a lot of excitement there and it just didn't really deliver that on that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I woke up for the Australian Grand Prix in about eight and a half. You should have just picked up. We should have picked up where he left off. And then like eventually throughout the podcast, then we'll hear the end of the sentence. Well, I think we know what he's going to say. It's the first time he woke up for the Australian Grand Prix in about eight or nine years. And um, for Nigel, that means a lot. He's clearly excited for it and it just didn't, didn't work for him. Um, He's just put a note in a chat that says it was all round and a word I can't repeat on the podcast if we want to not mark it as explicit. Wrong to um, Yes. Adam just giving it away. He said bit. Um, now we move on to our second worst race of the year. The penultimate race, if you were going the other way around on this list. Um, and that race is, oh, the greatest race of all time, the Miami Grand Prix. Um, and that's because we gave it a five as our collective score. Adam, why is this the Miami Grand Prix only have a five? Miami Grand Prix was rubbish. I would call it a worse word, but we're apparently not using expletives. Like, it was just... Normally. I, know, I know there was the battle at the end, but again, it was like, it could have been could have been fun. It was in Miami, but it wasn't really. They have fake marinas and they were miles away from the coast or any iconic bits of Miami apart from the football stadium. And it just, I don't know, it was a really... It was just a kind of... Outside of the football stadium, it was just an insert name here, part of America, that it just felt like it missed an opportunity. And I know the reasons behind that, but yeah, it felt like it missed something to make it more Miami and they have fake water and the race itself was pretty dull and I know there was a fight at the end but there wasn't really and yeah just disappointing yeah I, I don't think it lived up to the hype I guess uh, although we did still have that wheel to wheel battle uh, so you know not every race this year we have had that but I guess when the took science they always took Leclerc it looked, it looked like he was going to win, and without the safety car at the end, it would have been, you know, a lot worse, really. So yeah, mm, it would have been. I would have given. I gave it a four. I would have given it probably a three or two if it went for the safety car at the end. It was yeah. awful. I, I, I think from my side, it, the hype around the race was infectious. I think there's a few races. Obviously, I mean, I, I watch a race and I'm like, oh, I want to be there. But I mean, I really actually got on board with the hype around the Miami Grand Prix from an event point of view. I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be the best race of all time, which is what they probably wanted me to think. But I did. I was absolutely fine with the things that other people found cringy. I did just think the race was kind of like it got to that point where we were getting a bit kind of used to 2022 Formula One, which was kind of Ferrari would get on pole, Rebel would overtake and win. And it just kind of was the most sort of blatant of that because Verstappen's overtake on Leclerc was on lap like five or something. And that to me just kind of just then just spelled out all the stuff that had been frustrating about the previous couple of races. Um which was sort of Ferrari not being able to quite live with Red Bull, which, you know, is a, a personal kind of wanting to watch the fight kind of thing. But yeah, that for me, that for me kind of brought the race down. Um, but 
who knows that they're open to doing changes to things like that like the really weird tight chicanes and things and moving DRS zones and obviously with that so um Miami is obviously a race they want to do really well with so I think it's one we can have a bit of faith for in the future do you guys think that's me being too optimistic or I the thing is for me to make changes yeah I think the thing for me is it feels like an entertainment event rather than an f1 race so for that to kind of be balanced out it needs to be a good f1 race so hopefully that will kind of continue and like you say the changes they make will bolster it a bit but i think they need to well i don't know yeah i I think they need to make changes or should make changes to try and jazz it up a bit would would you say there's a kind of argument to kind of just not to like go on for too long on this because we want to get through this quickly but just like bolstering so much entertainment around the F1 race rather than balancing it with the F1 race because an F1 race could be amazing and could be absolutely dire like we know that um that's just sport but like making sure everything away from that is going to be high octane and great is a good thing yeah Surely. yeah it just feels like Miami that's the reason they're there yeah basically um <laughs> it's not it's not making well, it about, around I don't think- it, I, I don't think it's a reason, reason to. Personally. I don't think it's a reason to have an F1 race on the calendar, is because it's got amazing entertainment around it. Is what I'm saying. I think like maximize what there is around it, but the focus should still be the race itself. And yeah, yeah, it's, and it's probably too early to judge that overall. To be fair, for 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 a five year kind of thing, you can't judge everything on the first thing. That's what they say about all this kind of stuff. Um, we're going to go straight on. First episode. Yeah, we're going to go straight on to our. Um, third ranked race, which was Azerbaijan, which got a brilliant average score of 5.167, um, which puts it just above Miami. Um, obviously, Azerbaijan isn't somewhere where it's famed for the off track. Um, it's famed for the on track kind of kerfuffles, but there wasn't really so much this year, was there, Adam? Uh, well, there was a rather large Ferrari shaped kerfuffle, but um, that kind of ruined the race, really. I think that's why we all put it so low is because that was it that was the main and it was an exciting kerfuffle at the time but it really torpedoed the race for the rest of it so yeah that's why i put it so low i I think the first half was quite exciting i I guess that was made because of the ferrari yeah the ferrari strategy was um really interesting with the early safety car um but was unfortunately ruined by the Ferrari power unit and you know the potential was there and it just didn't it unfortunately didn't live up to it the way the race developed um I think we we're all agreed on that so um ranked just above Azerbaijan is the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix Imola uh, at 5.25 um I was all right with this one I, I I put it up a little bit more because of the sprint. I thought the sprint was a really, really good sprint, actually. I really enjoyed that on the Saturday afternoon, just the kind of the, the fight between Leclerc and Verstappen in that. Um, and the the race on the um, Sunday, um, it promised a lot more than it gave just because of the nature of the drying line on the track meant that no one could really overtake. But there were storylines throughout. You had the big Leclerc mistake and things like that, and it seemed to be kind of interesting on a few places. Um, and midfield around that was kind of cooking in a few ways um, from my memory. So, um, yeah, I'm all right with Imola this year. Yeah, I mean, we, we should say our average was a five and 
that we all or me and freddie both rated it above five i think um so yeah it's i like you i raised it by the sprint race i think it was a good advert for what sprint race can be if they get it right and if conditions allow it to be right so yeah again i don't know it the race itself was kind of forgettable for me but that's okay yeah, well i mean it's um, not ideal but you know it's, it's <laughs> not the worst it's not miami I think as a weekend, I found it a really enjoyable classic F1 weekend. And there's a counter to Miami, which is a I found the kind of an interesting but and kind of you know a whole different kind of the whole kind of Super Bowl thing has been thrown around too much, but an event kind of vibe. Whereas this is a, a classical kind of Grand Prix of, of European Grand Prix, which is kind of 80s vibe and things like that, which I enjoyed as well. Um, mm. After Imola, we have Monaco, which I think, to be honest, I'm surprised Monaco's this far down. But I think actually we had quite a few kind of decent races. And I'm kind of been presently surprised by there's been more decent because I thought Monaco was really interesting. Um, and I think it could have been really different and really weird as a race. Obviously, there was so many weird stuff that went on with the start of that race. But once it got going, um, I thought the whole sort of weird kind of Ferrari strategy, the wet dry of it all kind of made it really intriguing throughout the race until it kind of did the classic Monaco of kind of being decided with 20 laps to go. So yeah, it, was ranked, I, it was ranked as a six and a third, I should say, before we go into that. Six yeah. and a third. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right in that it's a very classic Monaco thing that it's like, oh, this could be quite a nice end of the race. And then it just isn't. And it's just, oh, well, that's happened. Um, yeah, I think looking back, if this title fight was still more of a title fight, I might have done it a bit higher because it would feel kind of more... Um, uh, kind of good, like, maybe significant. It's just, looking back now, it's like, oh, great, and Ferrari, Ferrari lost out, and that's, you know, a time where they could have been closer in the championship fight. So it kind of... It, it struck a bit of a bit more pessimistic chord because of where we are now, to me. Um, but you're right, it probably... Maybe on... Maybe on excitement alone, then it could have been a bit higher and condensed excitement. It could have been a bit higher, but yeah, it's it was not a bad Monaco race. It was, it is, you know, there. Yeah, and I I think it had a lot going for it, and I think on stuff it did deliver with what it had going for it. And um, unfortunately, and they have that. There's always this question after Monaco Grand Prix: Why is it all? Why is the broadcasting and control of the Automobile Club de Monaco rather than Formula One? Because the amount of interesting stuff that was released post-race on sort of uh, midfield overtakes and fighting that was actually going on during that race, like genuine racing that we just didn't really see on the main feed, which would have made the race way more interesting, I think, if you interspersed it cleverly, which is a really hard thing to do with all racing, I appreciate, but and live sport. But the amount that was dropped post-race in Monaco as a broadcast did detract from the enjoyability of the race on the day, in my opinion, because it, there could have been more. Um, just, that's a hindsight do, thing but yeah who do they have doing the broadcast is it just like old codgers from the automobile club who's like someone who's like yeah. usually the secretary but just like goes in for the goes in to be director for the weekend i don't know ask bernie <laughs> he knows all about it and he's just cool. we'll get him on the pod a, for next week he'll do anything he's just trying to do anything to stay relevant these days um <sighs> going on our podcast would be great because we're not relevant at all um above that is a recent grand prix the French Grand Prix, which is ranked six and two thirds. Um, similar to, to Baku, you could say, in that the biggest storing storyline that was going to develop throughout the race that was really interesting for the first third of the race, the Ferrari Red Bull fight that was kind of just brewing and 
looked like it was going to cook really interestingly throughout the race, but then Leclerc dropped it. <laughs> We're blaming all these races on Ferrari. Well, I think that kind of tells the story of the season, to be honest. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of... It felt to me quite a French Grand Prix, quite, quite a kind of stereotypical French Grand Prix. There was a bit of a bit of promise and then it just didn't really deliver to me. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was there. There was kind of... It really felt like, you know, excitement for Ferrari to come and start. It, it's kind of the last three... Three? Four races um, have all been, oh, Ferrari can win this and take a step back in the championship. And it was another one where that didn't happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it felt quite apt to be possibly, probably ending Paul Ricard's F1 career, at least for now. Yes, it did. Um, and I think you're very right in that, in pointing to the fact that it really was kind of a, a nail in the coffin, you could say, for the championship fight this year. Um, one of the many. Um, and then we move on to the seventh ranked race of the year, which is the Austrian Grand Prix, which is fittingly rated 7.167. It's, it's sevens around, and then there's a 1.6 as well, which means 16, because Charles Leclerc won. We can find links in everything. Numbers, lumber wang. Sevens, um, because Valtteri Bottas won two years ago, and he's 77. So it's it's all fitting together. Yeah, as anyone in 2017, which had a seven in it. Um, look at that. And Austria was Valtteri Bottas' first podium in 2014, which is seven times two. Um, look at this. <laughs> we, no, we're not. This is, this is science. This is, um, this is what they do in universities. I don't know. Um, in research you're the labs. one who's graduated. Yeah, the other one is at university. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this is a good race. I really enjoyed it. And I think the 1-6 in the rating points directly to Charles Leclerc overtaking Max Verstappen three times. Um, sure. And Ferrari doing all right for, for some reason. Yeah. I think Nigel's rated it lower than us. So fortunately he isn't here to speak about that, but yeah, it yeah, was shut him down. Yeah, exactly. So Nigel, you're chatting shit. It was not, it's better than 6.5 basically. Um, the sprint race was, a sprint race it wasn't similar it's fair to say but yeah I, I found it quite it always felt like things were in play and I think that's partly just down to Austria that it is a good track for that and things can change it's a really good description the, the, the pendulum swings over the over the course of the race so yeah that'd be my analysis that it felt it always felt there was there was promise and it partly delivered on that and yeah I think seven it wasn't a showstopper but it was well above average I'd say yeah, I think so. I think I really enjoyed the entire race. I think you saying stuff always in play is a really good description. Um, ranked sixth is Canada, which I'm intrigued by. I, I would have probably, I would have ranked Austria above Canada by a chunk if this was just my own list. Um, and I, I did. Um, um, but anyway, um, Canada was a good Grand Prix. Um, you had a nice little fight between um, Science and Verstappen that was really interesting. You had a few kind of weird little bits throughout the kind of field, but I think the majority being Science always getting close to Verstappen just was really exciting, I thought. Yeah, it's a kind of weird one because I ranked Miami so low and I've ranked this significantly high, nearly double what it's called Miami. And I feel like you can kind of compare them in, in some ways in that there wasn't there wasn't loads going on at the front and then there was a safety car and then there was at the end. So, but 
I guess subjectively, it was cool being back in Canada. It just felt Canada again, like it, it's it's a dynamic track. It just made it feel every time Sainz got close, and there was the I think it was two or three laps from the end where he got really close and got alongside and wasn't able to get it done. But it was just the tension. There was always tension there, and yeah, and it was it was you know Yahaga Leclerc coming through from the back, which wasn't. It, it was what it was. He had an exciting qualifying session on the Saturday, Alonso getting on the front row as well. So, great, great, yeah, great. I I guess objectively, maybe I should rank it a bit lower, but I just liked it. And I liked having Canada back as well, because I really like it as an event. And it was just a likable Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, above Canada is Barcelona, Spain, the Spanish Grand Prix. To be fair, it's above Canada, but they're actually, they've got the same grade. So I'm being wrong here they're seven and a third each um so joint with canada is spain um adam spain weird grand prix i thought but interesting for a lot of it you obviously had spins around the block for verstappen and um science and then you had um ferrari messing up but not messing up and then messing up and George Russell led a, led the race for a bit. Mercedes seemed to be back, but they weren't. Um, my dog's my dog is against the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, but anyway, Adam, quick before I get deafened by a dog. Well, and before the listener gets deafened by a dog. Um, yeah, it was it was Spain. It didn't really feel like it deserved to be a Red Bull one-two. To be honest, it felt like Ferrari much more in play. And again, a bit like with Monaco, it's just Ferrari. Looking back now, it's a real death knell, uh, nail in the coffin of Ferrari's season, as Freddie said before. So, yeah, a death it's, nail. Yes, a, de- a, death, a death nail. <laughs> a nail of death in the coffin that already has a dead championship in. So, oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it, again, kind of promised, promised a lot more than it delivers on, which is maybe a thing with this season as we're going through these, but... Yeah, still an entertaining enough race to be in, what is it, the top third of our ratings, roughly? Yeah, the um, the rating has kind of given what me and you gave it, so that's kind of worked out. Um, and then now we're into the top four. I thought it was top three, so but I bigged it up too much. But anyway, fourth, not quite on the podium. The, cha- the Champions League spaces. race Race, yes. Yes, it's in the championship fight. Is the... Hungarian Grand Prix. Woo, Hungary. Yeah, it's not recency biased because it was incredibly absorbing Grand Prix. As Crofty said, and as I said a lot on the podcast we had of the Hungarian Grand Prix, you had um, a fight kind of all over the place. You had a winner from 10th place. You had um, Ferrari capitulating. You had Mercedes doing well. And it just kind of gave the impression of, well, I didn't expect that to happen whenever you looked at the result. Of the grid, of the grid. Side note: Now you've now you've mentioned it. Um, I said capitulating in a class in America is like a headline idea thing, and no one knew what it meant. It just wasn't. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard word to know what it means. I, I just doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's particularly technical in any way. I was extremely surprised, but yeah, I really like people not knowing that word. Well, let me say snobby. For goodness sake, get that spoon out your ass. Yeah, we can't. Well, I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do that on. On camera, uh, yeah, I <laughs> I really liked Hungary. What did I rate it? I rated it seven. I rated it lowest out of everyone. Brilliant, but yeah, it was. 
yeah, it, there were there was just bits going on. There was it was the first genuine, mm, yeah, first genuine three team fight at the front that we've yeah. seen. There was an exciting spin from Verstappen. Again, could have been a lot better if uh, Ferrari didn't screw up. But still, it was it's just entertaining. Hungary tends to give entertainment. It obviously did last year, and this year kind of felt like the other end of the spectrum. If you to compare the two, they're both great F1 races, but. Hungary last year was just complete chaos and the anything can happen part of F1, which doesn't always come through. This was when it's not anything can happen, but it just plays out in a way that is exciting when it's still expected, if you get what I mean. Although Verstappen coming through wasn't necessarily inspected, expected. Mm. But yeah, I, it was a nice three battle. It's a nice way to take us into the summer break. I feel like Hungary always delivers and it's kind of, it's got me excited. It's got me excited for the triple headers to come. It's one of those tracks that's sort of become amazing in the yeah. past sort of 10, 15 years. Since since they did a they did a kind of they did a change to the track in two thousand and three, I wanna say, and made it tighter at the start and other first corner and things like that and did a few kind of modifications. And since then it's kind of crept into being a really exciting race. You had two thousand six, you had two thousand um nine, which is a very interesting race. And kind of since then they've all been relatively decent storylined races. Um, in my opinion, I mean, um, I, was, I was doing it to me, it's like a must stay, and that's really interesting because it's not there's not as many European tracks that aren't classic 1950 um Grand Prix that are must stay, really. I was doing a piece looking at how everyone's going to figure out its calendar, and once you take away the you know original quartet from 1950 and the big paid ones that have got contracts into the 2030s, then Hungary is really won the top ones out of that out of that bunch it is i'd say it's a weird yeah. outlier isn't it it's yeah nice. it's the best it's... european track outside of the original four i think yeah i i i, I always rank it very highly um hungary ring I, i've always really liked it to be honest i think it's great and i'm really happy it's um delivering in formula one um ranked uh joint third now we've not got a second place which um means that this will give away the winner obviously but whatever um joint third of bahrain and saudi arabia the opening two races of the 2022 season both ranked on an average of eight by us um we'll talk about bahrain first as it was the first race um and i mean to be honest you got to when you think about bahrain there's a few things you go straight to and that's the claire just completely out foxing in drs fight with verstappen and then both rebels just conking out and it just being a bit like ah things are happening all over the place yes it was it was a great opener it wasn't quite the opener of last year but it was still extremely good it yeah just exciting had a bit more worry had me a bit more worried than maybe i deserve to be with um with stuff about drs and plane and saudi arabia back that up but actually it was it was okay in the end and um, even the qualifying was fantastic so yeah it was a really it was just a good solid season opener and Australia's contracted to be the season opener a certain amount of times over the remainder of its contract um I think it might be three times something like that anyway um but in aside from well, contract human rights 2035 isn't it so I mean that's a couple of times but yeah I think it might have five then um I think it's about a third that it has to be um but yeah if you leave, leave aside the human rights issues which you shouldn't but in terms of just the track then it is a very solid season open alternative option for everyone to have and it's delivered twice in a row 
completely agree. Um, Saudi Arabia, obviously, we've been a bit kind of coy on ranking this on, on weekend and things like that. The weekend in Saudi Arabia was not good. The big crash in qualifying for Mick Schumacher was terrifying. Um, and the fact that we just refer to that so flippantly, but yeah, it was really scary. Everything going on around the track, the missile strike 10 miles away, that it's so weird and so easy to forget about now, but it was absolutely huge. And everything around the track in Saudi Arabia was uncomfortable and not good. But the race was really exciting. You had a really long fight between Verstappen and Leclerc after that kind of developed, after Perez had been leading and um, looked like he had that race under control in the early stages. Um, that race was just really kind of nip and tuck and exciting and different. And it was a really good introduction to the 2022 regulations, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like if we're ranking these as a podium, Saudi Arabia should be demoted to third. Just, I feel like there should be a clause in there that if you have a missile strike <laughs> 10 miles away from the track, then you do get demoted a position in the event of a tie. But yeah, as you say, aside from all of that, which was enormously uncomfortable, even for us watching thousands yeah. of miles away. Um, yeah, it was a really great race. It showed, again, it just showed off exactly what, these cars can do and there was a fantastic I'd say the best battle of the year between Leclerc and Verstappen um, off the top of my head was a nice little ding dong between them and for a track that doesn't on paper look like it will be fantastic for racing again it showed that that's not the case and when you've got cars like these and drivers like these then F1 can be exciting even on dull looking tracks that look like sperm yeah exactly and Formula 1 has a knack of kind of thinking, oh, this will be not great, and then it being great there, and then it's like, oh, this could really work, and then not really working. Um, it has a knack of doing all that kind of weird stuff, and that's because of the random nature of Formula One that um, I think gets lost a bit in the way we kind of view racetracks and and just sport in general. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. But that means that our top our top ranked race was the British Grand Prix, Silverstone. Um, we gave it a whopping lead in the average rankings, an 8.834. That's nearly a nine um, because that's how numbers work. If you were rounding that up, it would be to a nine um, or to a, uh, it would be to a 10. The only reason um, it isn't a nine is because of Nigel. What did Nigel do? Gave it a Nigel did eight. Uh, no, I did 8.5. Um, oh, okay. Well, it's your fault then. Yeah, it's my fault. Um, but yeah, it was still my highest ranked. Um, but yeah, you had, you had as much as we said Hungary was probably the first three-way fight between teams, um, Silverson was the one that sort of alluded to it and what it, what the three-team fight could be before that. You had um, the Ferraris um, supposedly supposed to be getting a kind of slam-dunk deal after um, Perez had a, a poor qualifying in the wet, if I remember rightly, and Verstappen then had damage early on. And then the Ferraris decided to just make it a race um and they were like hmm there's a mercedes there let's bring him into the race it made it exciting um there was a late safety car that made it exciting as well because they didn't pit leclerc which meant that um the battling behind could be frenetic and tight which it was and we had that amazing move from lewis hamilton taking the opportunistic line and getting past leclerc and perez and then being passed by leclerc and perez again. and here comes hamilton Yes, there we go. That's that's David Croft. Um, but it was just it had so many exciting points. Unfortunately, it did have terrifying moments at the start of the race. Um, 
and Joe's Joe Guanyu's huge crash behind the barriers was not fun to watch and not great at all. But the race that followed was really exciting. Yes, I aside from Joe, really really liked it. It was Joe was the dark lining on the silver cladder, really, in the way I describe Silverstone. There's the biggest um, gap between any races the gap between second and first in our rankings is the biggest gap between any of them apart from the jump from Imola to Monaco so that shows you how highly or how far ahead of the other races that we put it yeah it was fantastic I mean that I said it at the time and you didn't agree with it but the six laps after the safety car were fantastic there was nine overtakes between just the top four in that time and it was fantastic and Aside from that, it was still a really good race. There was plenty of fascinating strategy in play. There was Will Hamilton winning his first race of the season, and there was all of the um, kind of emotion and context and storyline around that. And then it didn't happen in the end, and we got something even more exciting, which was the mad dash to the end. You had Alonso mixing it with the podium at yes. one stage, Hamilton getting a mad double overtake, and then, like you said, the one everyone forgets about, the like two quarters, three quarters time where he got passed again but yeah it was even Ferrari stuffing up the strategy can't ruin it because oh man it was it was so good it was really really it's just honest, a quality race I mean that's one thing that slightly makes it in- weird is that Ferrari messing up the strategy did kind of make that race that's why yeah. I kind of feel like those that kind of battle it kind of to me is a little bit of a it's amazing to watch I think it's really because Leclerc's on tyres that just aren't working which is backing it up a bit because after that it did kind of string out um, science went away, Perez then went away and Hamilton went away and so on. And if, if, if they'd all been on the same tyres, I don't really know how it would have worked. I, w- I would have loved to have seen that. I think for me, that's the only thing that is, it begs, if that makes sense, which is kind of just a really annoying thing for me to think. Um, but it is, well, I, it's just, just how I think it. it's just, it comes with a stain of like, um, of, of roadblock. But you know what? That's, fine because that's just the way it was and that is a race it was a race for position it wasn't a strategy let by kind of mess around it was a race for position and was really exciting and that's why it's a top race um but that kind I of think... brings us to the, to the oh go 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 no I, I was kind of doing a wrapping up thing as well but i think it's fascinating that the top four tracks we've got are all different that we've got hungary which as we said is that 80s 90s kind of nouveau european track bahrain which is obviously brand spanking new Saudi Arabia, which is a street circuit, and then Silverstone, which is a classic. And I think that's a good, that is, that shows the way that the cars are working, that you can have so many different tracks and all producing cracking racing. Yeah. And I think that it is a testament to the cars. But to be honest, I personally, I would say that Formula One was doing that anyway. You'd have kind of great races across the board at random places. Um, But this is where we're going to throw it out there a bit because we've got a couple of minutes left of this. And I'm going to ask you one question. I want one word answer for this, Adam, because we'll run out of time. Um, Of the nine races remaining, which do you think will be the best? Oh, Brazil. Brazil? Okay. Um, I'm going to say Singapore, um, just because I want it to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to Zandvoort as well. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting Zandvoort exists. Um, Anyway. um, And Suzuka. We'll be be back. with Nigel hopefully having connection in the future. Um, obviously, he made a little bit of a dip earlier on, but we stand with you, Nigel, and your internet problems. Come on, you can do it. Um, we'll be back um, soon for a driver ratings episode where we 
do something similar with drivers. Um, and Hulkenberg. And, and Nico Hulkenberg, because he is also technically a 2022 Formula 1 driver. Uh-huh. Um, would he be in the Alpine seat? Whoa. Um, no. And that's all, folks. Um, thank you very much for watching or listening or however you chose to consume this, this um, podcast. You can follow the podcast on at Winging F1 on Twitter. You can follow us all individually on at Freckos99 for me, at Adam Dickinson01 for Adam, and at Nigel C. Giorno for Nigel. You can keep up to date with our things and all of that. Go and give us a lovely review because it's a nice thing to do. And then that means we get validation. And that's why we do it. We all do it just to be praised. Um, and have a good time and see you soon. Um, and here comes Hamilton.